Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we are here to become better habitat managers. Guys, awesome episode for you here today. It is March 1st. Can't believe the first two months of the year are already gone. We have my good friend and HP Minnesota team member, Corey Sullivan on for a brand new series of podcasts. We're calling these podcasts a week in the field. And what that means is this week in the field, what are we doing? What are we working on? What's relevant? Um, and then we're going to be a little bit more of a how-to technical side of things. Uh, to get back to you know our roots, to talk about things, how to do them, uh, and then show a matching video on YouTube that will also show the podcast topic. So it's kind of a one-two whammy. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you see the video, make sure to head over, hit the podcast, and vice versa. If you're on the podcast, click the link below and shoot on over to YouTube and check out the video. It's really going to make a lot of sense and help a lot of guys, um, you know, put put their what they're thinking in their brain on paper and see what's going on. So. Guys, this week in the field will be all things cutting trees for deer. Um, Corey did a bunch of work on his Minnesota property. I've been out on the new 40, dropping cherries, dropping aspens, and we discuss it here and we get into, like I said, the technical side of things here. Corey Sullivan in Minnesota. Guys, I want to talk to you real quick before we get into this episode. Lou from Stealth Strips will be on next week and a great episode there. But he has a sale coming March 4th and 5th. 40% off at StealthOutdoors.com. Guys, that is a huge discount. You're going to be loaded up on Stealth Strips for practically nothing. Um, we also have a code Habitat10 that works there. So 4th and 5th next week, I'm sorry, that's the end of this week, um, the most popular size, they're, they're commemorating their 5th year anniversary over there at South Strips and the Rolls. So just want to give you guys a heads up on that. Go on over there, check them out, and we're going to interview Lou next week and tell you all about the product, um, its birth and conception, and then also a new product that you know Lou and I were discussing a while back, and it's now hit the store shelf. So Look forward to that next week, guys. And thank you so much for tuning in to the Habitat Podcast. This is brought to you by Tagged Out Seed Products. Guys, Rich Hickson, my friend from Southern Ohio, owner of Tagged Out Seed Products, is here to help. I know a lot of folks from Michigan, Indiana, 
Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, Kentucky, all hunt Ohio, Southern Ohio. There's some giants down there. I've been hunting down there for years. So is Brian. Um, guys, Rich is here to help if you hunt in that area. Rich is a dealer for 360 hunting blinds, some of the best blinds I've ever been a part of and seen. He offers professional installation of these blinds if you'd like. He'll also do designing and planning food plots, establishing bedding areas, establishing screening access, anything you want, you know, trail cutting, unwanted vegetation control, invasives. He's kind of the guy on the ground for you. You know, here at Habitat Podcast, we design a lot of land plants. We design them. We offer our expertise and give you the map to success. Rich is the next step. Rich will put it into play for you if you need the help, if you're not around, if you'd like some additional expertise. You know, he'll he'll bring these plans to life for us, for you. Out-of-state landowners, um, feeder filling, trail camera adjustments, whatever you need. He's like, he's like a property manager. Um, he also supplies a lot of large volume feeders where legal. Uh, he can also help you with any sort of hunting advice that you might need. He's veteran owned. He's a veteran. Single dad, two kids, loves the outdoors. And I just, I'm friends with him on Facebook. Uh, I just, I love his moral, where his moral compass is at and, and his outlook on things. And um, he's been in business three years now, serving landowners in Southern Ohio, Northern West Virginia, Northern Kentucky, and Western Pennsylvania. Guys, check him out on Facebook and Instagram at Tagged Out Seed Products. That's the at symbol, Tagged Out Seed Products. Check him out, Rich Hickson with Tagged Out Seed Products, new partner of the Habitat Podcast. On this episode of This Week in the Field podcast, we have my good friend, Mr. Corey Sullivan from Minnesota. How you doing, Corey? Doing pretty good, man. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. It's Friday after five. Um, I have some some chainsaw gear in my truck. I'm going to haul the kids out in the woods with me tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to hand my five-year-old the habitat hook and have him start pushing over trees. So I'm in a pretty Fantastic. good mood. Stuff done, you know. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Doing pretty good, man. We've had some amazing weather here in... Uh... Minnesota. I mean, we've had 40 and 50 degree temperatures for quite a while, and uh, it's just been awesome for being able to get out into the field and do some work in early February. Very different than how it was last year, for sure, but I'm not complaining. It, it is truly unreal. It's like 60 degrees today. So, um, well, yeah, pretty crazy. anyways, we're going to get right to it here, right to the meat and potatoes of the episode, guys. We're talking about creating bedding areas you know, in, in a wooded environment. You know, we can do this in, in fields. We can do this in the woods. Um, there's swamps. But today we're focused on the wooded environment. Corey, why don't you tell us what we're going to hit? All right. Sounds good, man. Yeah. So um, what we're going to try to do is just give you, um, you know, a brief description overview of, um, you know, uh, making, creating a bedding room in a, in a wooded environment. Uh, we can definitely, it, we can get in depth, but uh, we're just going to cover the basics on uh, this portion because generally speaking, it's the same across the board, no matter uh, where you are, you know, in a wooded environment. Um, and, you know, I mean, everybody might do it a little bit differently, but that doesn't mean that it can't work. You know, you've got all these, you know, professionals out there doing habitat work and stuff, and um, they they might all do it differently, but it's all going to work, you know, according to their plan. So we're just going to kind of cover the big things associated with uh, making a bedding area. And um, yeah, just kind of give you guys something short and sweet here to uh, be able to get out and do it yourself. So, And what's cool about this is a brand new series we're, we're doing this year. Um, Corey's awesome idea. 
And um, we're going to, you know, keep it short and sweet. We're going to focus on some of the habitat work that we all should be doing this time of year. And then um, each of these podcasts will be, be, you know, for specific details and we'll have a YouTube video in conjunction with it as well. So what you'll be able to do, you can listen to it here and you can see it on YouTube. Yeah, man. So, sounds good. I guess I'll just kind of get started if that's all right with you. And, rock and roll, uh, brother. I'll be here. All right, cool. Yeah. So. So when you're thinking about making a bedding area, you know, I mean, I'm sure all of us are, you know, deer hunters and woodsmen ourselves. You know, you can go out in the woods and you can see where deer are bedding. And uh, most of the time they're in areas where there's structure down low on the ground, you know, a log they can lay up against, brush they can, you know, um, be hiding in. You know, a lot of times they have the wind to their back and they're, you know, have a good visual in front of them. Um, So I think most of us have a general idea of what a bedding area looks like, but we might have woods on our property that, um, or an area on our property that, you know, it'd be really nice for the deer to bed here for multiple reasons. You know, you want them bedding on your property instead of the neighbors. Um, You know, you want them closer to a food source, you know, so that maybe your access isn't spooking them, that sort of thing. Um, But I think some of the big things, um, you know, associated with creating a bedding area in the woods is uh, you want to create good cover and structure on the ground. You know, you want logs, no hinge cut trees. You want things down lower that are giving the deer a sort of, you know, a, a sense of security and um and along with that um you know you're you're wanting to open up the canopy if you can open up the canopy you're allowing the sun to get to the ground there in that specific area which over a few years is going to grow um you know young vegetation that will also be that cover and and structure that the deer like to bed into so um Opening up the cover, or sorry, opening up the canopy is a, is a very important part here. Um, also, all these things that we're going to be doing are creating food for the deer down lower to the ground. Um, you know, the, the trees that we're felling or hinge cutting, um, the uh, extra brush that is going to be growing with, the, with that sun, um, that sunlight getting to the ground is going to be a food source or is going to help create a food source for the deer, which is very important in a, in a bedding area. And, um, you know, uh, potentially a good, a good vantage point, you know, generally speaking, bucks will bed in uh, different areas than doe, um, doe bed in numbers. You know, if you find a doe bedding area, there's going to be four or five beds and doe are all kind of bedding together, all facing different directions. So they can see, smell, you know, their entire surroundings where a buck is typically bedding by himself or maybe with only one or two other deer. And so he normally would use you know, more of, you know, the the terrain or change in terrain for his bedding and, you know, maybe bed up against a log with the wind blowing against his back or that military crest type of bedding that we talk about. Um, So it's a little bit different for bucks and doe, but that doesn't mean that you won't get a buck bedding in an area that, you know, is for for your doe bedding and whatnot. Um, Now, another thing specific to these bedding is um, you could put them in certain places, depending on the time of year, depending on your access, depending on, you know, where your food sources is, where your food sources are and stuff like that. Um, You know, in the wintertime, deer want to find warm areas and the southwest, south and west facing slopes are warmer areas because that's where they're 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 going to get the most sun um so in the winter time they're looking to warm up they're going to want to bed on those south and west slopes 
And in the summertime, it's the exact opposite. They are trying to escape the heat, escape the sun. So those north and east slopes are bedding areas for, you know, your summer and early fall um, time. Um, and you can associate these bedding areas for specific food sources too. You know, if you want, if you've got a southwest slope, that's perfect for a bedding area and you've got some standing corn and beans or, uh, you know, a turnip pot or something like that that can be close to it, that's perfect because the deer will bed on that southwest slope and then go right to that close, um, you know, late season food source and the same thing for a northeast slope. Uh, you can have a specific food source close to those northeast slopes um, where you've made these bedding areas where the deer can go and um, feed on the warm, warmer season um, food sources and then easily get back to those northeast slopes and escape the heat. So um, like I've already touched on, you know, you can set up different, you know, specific areas for huntability. Um, you obviously don't want to be bumping these deer as you're coming into your tree stand to your blind and stuff like that. So you want to make sure that, you know, the location of these bedding areas is, is, um, clear of your access. And also as you're walking in, you don't want your scent blowing towards those bedding areas. So, um, the location of them, just keep in mind, you know, how you're going to be accessing the general area and will you be bumping deer as you're getting into that area. Uh, so all things to think about while you're um, trying to create this bedding area. Um, another thing you can do, you know, kind of think about the huntability of it. Uh, you know, you can create a down or you can create a bedding area um, that is easily, you can easily assess the downwind side of this bedding area with the, um, with the hopes that you can hunt the downwind side of it during the, during the rut phase of deer season, because bucks are going to cruise the downwind side of the doe bedding areas, generally speaking. Um, so, you know, another thing to keep in mind as you're trying to plan where you want this bedding area is, um, you know, it's huntability as far as how the bucks are going to, um, you know, access these doe bedding areas. Um, I have a, um, the property that I no longer own in New York was, you know, a perfect example of this. It was a peninsula that ran from east to west and uh, had a south southwest facing slope and I made that entire southwest facing slope a, um, a bedding area for the deer that they pretty much started using immediately and then um, on one end of that peninsula was my access and my food plot so the deer later in season would bed on that um, that uh, southwest facing slope and move to and from that bedding area. Does predominantly move to and from that bedding area to the food source. Uh, but then once the uh, rut rolled around and I would get a southwest wind, um, a bucket cruise the downwind side um, of that slope and scent check that entire ridge side uh, on his way to food sources, you know, just moving around trying to, uh, to find, uh, you know, the next hot dough. So they can be located strategically uh, using kind of all these, all these uh, components. So like I talked about, we want to open up that uh, canopy. We want to create horizontal structure. Uh, messy is a good thing, um, but escape routes in the mess is a very important uh, factor that we need to, uh, to uh, take into consideration. Um, generally speaking, when you're doing the work, you know, you're going to use a chainsaw. Some people could use a handsaw for the smaller stuff, but, you know, a small chainsaw is the ideal tool if you have a habitat hook or something that you can be pushing these trees around with as they're uh, falling is is a really nice tool. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, when you're making a bedding area, you're going to use three types of cutting. We're going to use hinge cutting. Hey, Corey. 
Washington. Yeah. Before we get into the three types real quick, I just have a little bit of something to add to to the first part. Um, okay. you know, so you, you mentioned that peninsula, which is, which is key, right? That's a, that's a terrain feature and that is a, a great spot for betting. Another terrain feature could be topography up on top, you know, of, of a knoll that's about to dump off a ridge, right? So elevation right. can be a key too, depending on where you're at. Normally it's the higher elevation points in the hilly country. Um, so I, I did just want to mention that. And then I think that, you know, you hit the nail on the head with, with either the hinge cuts or the, the felling of the tree, that immediate side cover is what these deer are, are liking and opening the canopy will get the forest floor to give you that side cover too. But some of the stuff that we're talking about here can give you that immediate side cover. And I think one thing you hit the nail on the head of when you said escapability, don't create a huge mess and then not be able to get in and out of it. I use the term maze and pocket effect quite a bit. And um, this should be navigable for the deer. So I just wanted to add those couple of points before you got into the three techniques here. So keep on moving, brother. If you guys are wondering if you should buy or sell property right now in Michigan, be sure to get a hold of Chad Thalen over at Midwest Lifestyle Properties. I've been friends with Chad for a long time. He's been a partner of the podcast for quite a few years now, and he just proves to be a resource to me over and over again. Chad has been helping me understand the real estate side of things, answer any questions I have, help me see through some of the technical stuff that I might not be trained for in this in this area. And just knows ground, knows habitat, programs to get stuff, put it on your ground, the government can pay for, all around very knowledgeable guy over at Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Guys, if you're looking to buy or sell a piece of recreational ground. I mean, he even sells ground with farms and, and houses on it too. But if you're looking to buy a piece of ground or sell yours, give Chad a call. Chad is on Facebook at Chad Thalen, Land Specialist, Midwest Lifestyle Properties. You can also find him on our website at Habitat Podcast. The market is still hot for rec properties. And I would call Chad right away to get your property listed and sold. If you're on the lookout for a brand new property, again, Chad has his fingers in a lot of different circles. You can find a piece for you. Check him out. Chad Thalen, Midwest Lifestyle Properties on Facebook and at HabitatPodcast.com. Introducing Downburst Cedars. Guys, Downburst Cedars deliver precision, small seed spreading for all of your food plot and screening needs. They are lightweight, durable, and easy to maneuver. I met Doug up at his house and we tested a downburst cedar in his garage, reweighed the amount of seed, did the math, and they are extremely accurate. If you're trying to plant small seeds, clovers, brassicas, rape, you know, it takes the guesswork out of cover cropping. I mean, the proper seed rate for alfalfa, switchgrass, any other small seeds. Check them out today at downburstseeders.com. We do have a code if you're a Habitat podcast listener that is HP10. Eliminate the seed waste. It's ground wheel driven, very accurate, very light, aluminum, can throw it in the bed of your truck. Check them out, guys. We already have listeners purchasing these products. Doug at downburstseeders.com will be happy to answer any questions you have. They are literally a piece of art made here in Northern Michigan. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, 
Have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like Jared said, you know, um, everyone's got a little bit different geography, but generally speaking, you know, this, uh, this, these uh, betting area making techniques can be used anywhere, you know, and um, a lot of it will just be trial and tribulations, especially if you haven't done it before. But uh, yep. the three types of cutting techniques that we generally use, um, you know, while making betting areas are hinge cuts, flush cuts, and double girdle. Um, uh, which you could uh, spray with some sort of herbicide, too, if you wanted to. But um, I'll just quickly go through what the three different types of cuts are and kind of what you would be using it for. Uh, hinge cut is essentially cutting your, you know, the tree halfway to two-thirds of the way through. Um, if you have a habitat hook or some sort of tool that you can help to pull the tree over, uh, that's definitely beneficial. But when you pull the tree over, that remaining half to one-third is still attached. So the uh, root system is still able to get uh, the nutrients to the top of the tree, and uh, that tree will remain alive. It will just be on its side. So like Jared mentioned, it is immediate cover, and it will continue to be, you know, structure and horizontal cover for the deer, because like I said, it's a tree laying on its side. And that also is, can be beneficial because that's a food source. I mean, that tree is not feeding deer being 20, 30 feet in the air, but as soon as you take an ash tree and a hinge cut it over, they're going to eat the leaves, eat the buds on that tree, and it's also going to be a form of cover um, while opening up the uh, the canopy. Um, I like to use hinge cutting more for um, you know visual blocks and for steering deer as they're maneuvering through these bedding areas and stuff. You know. Um, it's definitely beneficial to have some hinge cut trees here and there throughout your, your bedding area uh, for those purposes. Um, but the way that I look at it is if you hinge cut a tree, it's still alive and it's still blocking the same amount of sun, whether it's standing up or it is tipped over. So I try to use it sparingly um, because I would rather have natural vegetation start to grow with that new sunlight that's coming in. Um, because that will create much more cover and food um, for the deer, you know, in the coming years, in the next two to three years. So hinge cutting is something that I use sparingly. Um, and uh, yeah, so then we're going to go to flush cuts and flush cuts are essentially exactly what they sound like. You're just cutting the tree off at the base. You know, you can leave it a foot or two tall, whatever. Um, but the nice part about a flush cut is uh, if your bedding area is getting very cluttered, you can pull that tree out with your four-wheeler. You cut it up into three or four different chunks and, you know, move it somewhere. 
Um, but my favorite part of a flush cut is a lot of, especially with like maples and ash trees, um, you're going to get what we call a mineral stump. And that stump, or sorry, that root system is still alive and it is still sending all the nutrients up above the surface of the ground, but it is no longer, it has a huge crown to feed. So it's going to start growing little shoots off of the mineral stump. And you might have a hundred new shoots off of this mineral stump that are down at the deer's level. And it's a great food source for the deer, but you've also removed, I guess, kind of the clutter by getting that tree out of there um completely uh one thing that i also like to do is i'll take some of the tops of these trees that i flush cut and i'll kind of pile them up a little bit and then you can plant you know shrubs whether it's dogwoods even cedars plum um you know spruce trees you can plant them inside your little pile of tree tops and that will act as a cage that will allow it to get it you know get started and then after a couple of years, it'll be big enough that the deer will be able to get to it. But it's also strong enough and big enough that uh, that the deer won't mow it over. So just kind of like a natural tree cage um, of sorts. Uh, and then we've got the double girdle, um, which is you're essentially killing the tree while it's standing. It's going to remain standing. Um, it will obviously naturally fall after years, but that could be 10 years down the road. You know, it's hard to say exactly when, but um the benefit of doing that is um, it's while well, it's called a snag, so a dead standing tree is good for wildlife in general, birds, bugs, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, um, it's a beneficial resource for wildlife in general, uh, um, but you're reducing the amount of clutter on the ground for the time being. While that tree being dead, it is no longer going to have leaves on it and it's allowing the sun to come through which is, again, like the whole goal here is just to get things as thick as they can be um, down at the deer's level so they can be, um, you know, feel comfortable and safe. Um, obviously, if the trees fall in 10 years, you might have to do some cleanup. Uh, um, I typically use all three of these types of techniques in a bedding area because that's just what's necessary. Um, I got to see um, a piece of property that Jim Ward did some work on in uh, my um, local area in New York where I'm from. And uh, he came to a, a good friend of mine's property and did a bunch of work. And one thing that I noticed about his bedding areas that I would have never guessed until I saw it myself is if I would have just seen that in on my own property, would have been like, dang, that is so thick with felled trees, hinge cut trees. You know, it's it's yeah. it just looks like a mess. There's no way that a deer is going to be in there. But if everybody knows Jim Ward, he's well seasoned in this whole deal and it took seeing how messy of an area deer like to realize, oh man, I just need to get in there and just start cutting stuff and moving stuff and hinging, hinging stuff. And then after you've done all that work, then like you said, you go through, you cut your trails through it, you, um, you know, create little pockets that the deer can bed in, you know, whether it's a, a decent sized log they can bed up against, you know, or just like a little nook that they can be in and you create multiple escape routes and stuff like that. So it still looks messy from afar, but when you're in there, there is a well thought out, um, you know, system of trails and uh, ways for the deer to escape because a deer is not going to bed there if it can't get up and go left or right forward. You know, it needs multiple ways to get out of that area if a coyote comes cruising through or we come through cruising through. Um, so, that's kind of the, the main techniques, and it sounds 
more complicated that it is, the big things are just you want to open up the canopy and you want to get structure on the ground and the location of the bedding area in general should be good for huntability and access and stuff like that. You know, after the fact, you're going to be managing these bedding areas because new stuff is going to grow. You're probably going to get some invasives that are going to get in there. Um, you know, so you're going to have to go back through and maintain these areas you know, keeping trails clean, um, you know, managing those invasives if you want to do so. Um, but also just the nature of maintaining them is you're going to be able to see how the deer are using them. Is Are there a lot of droppings in there? Can you find a lot of beds and stuff? And throughout a couple of years, you will be able to tweak things and make it more desirable for the deer to be there because it's not going to be perfect to the start especially if this is your first time trying to do these things. Um, and there is no exact science, you know, like I said earlier, you know, it might work for one person in Nebraska, but the next person that tries to do that in the mountains of Pennsylvania might not have the same effects. So don't think that this is an exact science, you know, you just need to get structure on the ground and get that canopy opened up and throw a trail camera in there. And I think you would be pleasantly surprised, especially in more of a mature wood setting how quickly deer congregate to that area and all of a sudden you got doe bedding groups bedding in there and stuff so um that's kind of the general gist of making um these bedding areas it's it's not hard guys it's just getting out there and learning how to do it and browse and tribulations and that sort of thing and um and yeah and um, we're also going to be putting up a youtube video here in conjunction with this just to give a visual of what all these different types of cuts look like and um, just what, you know, a bedding area that I have created looks like. And um, funny enough, I literally got done cutting whatever, five or six days ago. And I went out there two or three days later and there was already fresh deer beds and droppings in that area. So um, it's not as hard as some people make it out to be. Um, so just, just keep that in mind and just get out there and do work and be safe with a chainsaw. Um, I think that's the most important part. If you've never really used one, just make sure you watch some YouTube videos of, you know, just how to fell trees safely and um, just use a little bit of common sense. Just don't go wheeling that thing around without some protective equipment on and stuff like that, I think is important. So I think that's about all I've got, Jared. Yeah, you nailed it, buddy. Um, a lot of info there, guys. And, and the point to this is to give you and deliver to you relative relevant info this time of the year that you can go do right now, show you how to do it, tell you how to do it, tell you about the different types of, of techniques here. And then again, the YouTube video will be up to where you can go see how it's done as well. You know, a chainsaw in the woods can be intimidating. Don't cut anything you're not comfortable with. I want to stress that. Uh, look up above you for any hanging limbs or branches. Uh, I want to stress that too. And just and just be safe, you know. Don't be afraid to to get out there and, and screw up. The force heals itself so quickly that you're really not gonna do anything you can't undo. I'll say a little asterisk there. You know, don't, don't go cut down a whole oak forest if you're gonna, you know, try to have acorns the next year. But for the most part, for our goals here, this is all stuff that we can do and that I'm gonna do tomorrow morning and have a good time doing. Um, again, that's why we want to bring you these these week in the field podcasts. So. Corey, great work, my friend, and we'll see you over on the YouTube. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to the Habitat Podcast. Guys, we will be back with another great episode next week. I just want to say once again how grateful we are for the listenership we have and the, the loyal listeners you guys have been and supporters of the podcast. 
For those of you who want to support further, we have free decals being sent out to those who leave us great reviews. Scroll down, hit the link to leave a great review, and then email me info at habitatpodcast.com. I'll get you a free five-inch decal in the mail right away. Guys, I want to thank our sponsors, Vitalize Seed Company at vitalizedseed.com, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Packer Max Cultipackers, Morse Nursery, Acres.com, Downburst Cedars, First Light, United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, mule there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.